0: Hi y'all, this is Charlie Daniels and you're listening to Jimmy Warren. Hey everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Guitar Talk. Yeah, it's that time. It's that time of the week. It is Wednesday. It is after 3 p.m. Central Standard Time and you are tuned in somewhere. Google, Apple, Spotify, Anchor FM. Who knows? But I thank you. You know what? As a matter of fact, a huge thank you. We launched this program July first, just five weeks ago now, and uh, we've had just a ton of listeners across multiple platforms, and we're extremely thankful. We just want to remind you, though, you know, when you're on those those platforms, make sure you're, that you're subscribing or you're following, you know, what we're doing. You know, go to my Facebook, Jimmy Warren Radio. And follow us. You know what? There is so much material that I share uh, on some of these other platforms like uh, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and things like that. That, uh, you know, photos and videos and information on guitars and pedals. And, you know, I do this whole thing. I've got a, a guitar talk. Um, Facebook group, and, uh, you know, every day I post an odd or a weird pedal, and, you know, it's like we're, it's it's a community of sharing all things guitar, it's really cool, and so you want to be a part of it, so make sure you're subscribing and following us, so that you don't miss anything, you know, but but thank you, you know, I really appreciate you listening, it means a lot. When I was young, you know, of course, like everybody else, I wanted to be a guitar player. And I always wanted to be, you know, standing on a big stage like Eddie Van Halen or Jimi Hendrix or, you know, Billy Gibbons or whoever. And of course, you know, here we are, you know, almost 40 years down the road. And uh, it just, it just kind of didn't pan out like that. Don't get me wrong. I've I've played. I've got to, you know, do some really cool things with some really cool people. It's been amazing, but I never achieved that. And then I remember when I was young like that, I thought, well, if I could never do that, man, how cool would it be to be the guitar tech for that guy? You know, could you imagine, you know, being Philip, the guitar tech for uh, David Gilmore? You know, and, you know, knowing his rig and being around him and watching him play and, you know, talking to him about all things, you know, intertwined in his guitar rig. Oh, my God, that would be a dream for a guy like me. And so i wanted to make sure that when I started this podcast that I included those types of people in the show because, man, you want to talk about some guys that have a wealth of knowledge of all things guitar, You want to talk about a group of guys that uh, are amazing players, you know, that uh, they spend their entire time just, you know, fixing, you know, guitar stuff and setting up guitar stuff and rigging things. And, uh, you know, I think it's so cool. I really do. I think it's very, very cool. And so uh, tonight is the first time that we're going to have a guitar tech Guitar talk. Now we've got quite a few more coming on the show later on, but our first one is John Thayer. Now, John Thayer is the guitar tech for George Lynch and the Lynch Mob, and we all know George Lynch is a bad, bad dude on that guitar. I mean, he is wow. George is amazing. I mean, he's a great, great player. And so You know, that just transformed into the fact that John Thayer has to be a really good tech. He has to really know his stuff in order to work with somebody like that. And he does. You know, John knows music. He knows guitars. He knows, you know, the insides and the outsides of equipment. But on top of all that, John is a great player and a super nice guy you know it was it was a it was a real pleasure talking to him and that you know and uh one of the common themes throughout most of these shows recently is because of the whole covid thing you know my heart is just you know it breaks for these guys because they're not working they're not doing what they love and what they were born and created to do and uh You know, I just feel for him. I hope hope that all turns around, you know, and a lot of times that comes out and that comes out in this conversation, of course, um, because, you know, how could it not? (laughs) You know, how could it not? But John's a real positive guy, you know. He's just saying, hey, I just focus on the – I'm just playing. I'm just – I'm working on my own gear. I'm just, you know, getting ready. I'm just ready to go when it all opens up. And until then, you know, I'm doing my thing. And so you're really going to enjoy this conversation. John Thayer, is, uh, he's not only the guitar tech, he's also the stage manager and the tour manager for George and the Lynch Mob. So he wears a lot of hats. This guy really knows the industry. He knows what it takes to be on the road as a band and as a guitar player. And so uh, I hope after this is over with that you'll not only be a fan of uh, George Lynch, which you should be, But you'll also be a fan of John Thayer because, you know, he deserves it equally. You know, super, super nice guy. So I'm going to shut my hole, and uh, I'm just going to turn this over, and you're going to get to hear my little conversation um, that I had just recently with John Thayer, the guitar tech for George Lynch. Here you go. You know, being a, uh, a guitar tech, you know, typically, you know, guys like you are usually just as good if not better sometimes than the people that you're teching for and so if it's okay oh
1: hell no not in this situation
0: (laughs) (laughs) but you never know so let's talk about you as a player i mean what led you you know to decide to pick up the guitar um
1: pretty much just listening to music back in the day and uh had friends that played, so, you know, it's that natural thing. You kind of just tend to pick theirs up, and then you go, oh, I want one for myself.
0: Yeah. Was there anybody or anything in particular that kind of influenced you to, you know, as a direction as a guitar player, or were you kind of influenced by all kinds of things?
1: Um, all kinds of stuff. I mean, at first, it was a lot of the two guitar bands, like Priest and Maiden and stuff like that. Yeah. Because that was what was around, because I started playing, oh man, I got to say like early 80s, like 80, 81, somewhere in there. Okay. So that was a lot of the stuff that was around and uh, really like made in it first and then sort of after a while gravitated towards the uh, one guitar, Um, I don't want to say LA thing, but the LA thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you did you listen to a wide variety of music or was it you know Um,
1: yeah, growing up cuz I mean, obviously you listen to kind of what your parents are listening to at the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of what starts you and oh, man listen to like rock radio and um Edgar Winter and like a big Chicago fan and Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of start on that, and then you start gravitating towards stuff that you like.
0: Right. Right. And so so, what was your first guitar? What was your first rig?
1: Um, wow. Well, first guitar was some Les Paul Black Beauty copy called the Live Wires. Wow. Yeah, it was some no name picked it off of, off of back in the day. It was a swap sheet because there was no internet or none of that stuff, and it was the prototypical twenty-five dollar guitar. Yeah,
0: wow, my, my mine was uh, a court. Oh,
1: nice. I, I ran across a couple of them because it was funny because that first guitar went around my neighborhood. Yeah. Where I sold it to a friend, he sold it to a friend, and it was one of these, you, you keep selling the guitar, and okay, you trade and get a couple dollars, and oh, now I have a new guitar. And
0: Yeah. Do you remember what the first song was that you learned to play all the way
1: through? <sighs> all the way through? Man, that I can't remember. I mean... Sadly, stereotypically, the first riff is that you kind of get down on your own and smoke on the water. Yeah. I mean, that seems like from that era, that was the first riff for
0: most guitar players. Yeah, yeah. Mine was Cat Scratch Fever.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those, you sort of don't know how to play and you're just slamming along and. It's funny because man, my first rig was a uh, old stereo with a turntable on it with a tube screamer
0: plugged into it. That'll be darned. <laughs> That'll be darned. That you that...
1: start off with absolute garbage and then you kind of work up from there. And
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, as as you were growing up and as you were uh, learning to play and stuff like that, you know, what were some important things that you did? in your practice time that you know helped serve to make you a good guitar player
1: um just playing along to stuff yeah i mean either on the radio or just throwing an album on and a lot of just improvising to it i mean you obviously you're not really good it's the start and it's you learn your basic power chords and go from there and try and learn this stuff as much as possible um I never had a lot of theory so it was I mean even to this day it's listen to stuff a lot just to get it in the head and used to doing your changes and that type of stuff but yeah a lot of improvising um still do that to this day uh with solos even doing cover tunes because that's pretty much all I do is covers when I do play um And it's just improvising to kind of get your own little bit of you in it.
0: Right. So so if you had to tell, you know, somebody that was just learning how to play, you know, because I know some guys are really stickler to, you know, the song is a song, you play it exactly the way it is, you know, or, you know, me, I was, I guess I was more like you. I never played what it really was, kept to the core song, but you try to carve out your own identity
1: yeah exactly i mean and like nowadays it's easy i don't want to say easier for people to learn but there's more uh what would the word be there's more vehicles for them to be able to watch people
0: yeah
1: with youtube and the internet and tab books and chart tab charts on the internet and stuff you can pretty much pull up any song you want um but the problem is it's like uh, there's a million kids out there nowadays. It's almost disheartening where you see this eight-year-old just blazing this solo note for note. But it's, okay, where is you in the song?
0: Right. Right. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. There's some really amazing players. On yeah,
1: it's crazy nowadays. It's just yeah. you see this eight-year-old kid and you kind of go, I'm going to put my stuff up on Craigslist tomorrow.
0: <laughs> right. But you know you know what? Sometimes you find out. It's like, uh, I guess this is a good example. My son, he's 26 now, but even at a really young age, I mean, I, he was one of those guys where, I'll never forget, he listened to Tinder Surrender, the Steve Vai version, and within two weeks could play it. I mean, immaculately. I mean, oh. yeah. I mean, he, he's he's that good. But uh, you put him in with a band, he can't keep up with the hoot. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it is a definitely different animal once you go from, all right, I'm playing along with it, to uh, now I'm playing it. It is totally different. And a lot of the times it's, all right, let's just jam. And there's guys, and sadly enough, even some of the big guys that are not really good at that. It's, I can play my stuff. Yeah. But it's okay. Let's take this an extra eight or sixteen bars, and they kind of go, uh, uh, "Okay, where am I
0: going?" Right, right. Got to repeat what I just did. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It's all right. I'm starting the solo over. I'm going to go through it backwards or whatever, and it's yeah. yeah. It, it's just one of those that I mean, and technically they can be great guitar players. Yeah. Um, but it's all right. What? Are, where is you in this? I mean, doing covers over the years, it's always been a, a, okay, you you could do it note for note, and I got tons of friends that it's, wow, that's exactly what's on the album, but, uh, man, that gets kind of boring after a while.
0: I, I, I tend to agree, you know, I really do. I mean, unless you're, putting together a, a group that is, you know, a pure tribute group, you
1: know? Yeah, exactly. Then it's okay. Then you got to yeah. do it and you have no room for improvising. And like myself, I can't see myself ever doing something like that because it would be boring just, mm-hmm. all right, we're just doing one band's music.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, maybe Pink Floyd. Yeah. <laughs>
1: see, you know, I can't touch Gilmore. I don't even try.
0: Oh, I'm sure you can. So, so let me ask you: How did you transition? You know, what was it like, or when was it that you transitioned from being a guitar player, you know, to working with with George? Now, is George the first person you've tech for, or have you tech for? Others?
1: Um, no, I did some stuff for some buddies back in the day, and uh, in some bigger local bands and stuff. Um, but I had been doing sound for man 30 years on and off. Okay. And I had kind of been in different aspects of the business because I sort of realized real young that, all right, there's the four guys in the band, but there's a lot of other people that you don't see. Right. From techs to sound guys to I've done rock and roll catering. Um, there's stagehands. There's a whole bunch of stuff that is not in the band. I mean, especially with the bigger stuff, you might have four guys in the band, but you got 10 guys in the crew and another 80 stagehands setting up a show if it's a big one. And just uh, there's a lot more to the business than just being in the band. I mean, knowing how to play definitely helps. And like with me, with George, I actually lucked out where I had friends that were doing production for a show and they were like, well, we need a backline guy to take care of the stage gear and might need a tech and he needed a tech that night and liked me and went give me your number
0: wow.
1: and it's crazy because it's i'm from upstate new york and he's from cali and it's like with me and a buddy we go dude if 21 if you would have said oh i'm gonna be george's tech he Sorry. had looked at me like i was insane yeah and it was just—it literally, it was a pure luck thing where I gave the dudes who were doing production a call like two days before, just because I ran into a mutual friend and dropped a "Hey, this dude said hi," and I had forgotten to give him my new number, and I lucked out by two days because they were like, "Hey, we're doing lunch mob, want to go?" Yeah. So,
0: so, uh, so, so, how hard was it the transition though from from what you were doing? to teching for somebody like George Lynch, because I would think, you know, some of them guys, you know, have some pretty sophisticated gear. You know, they're pretty complicated. So some some do, I guess. Maybe some don't. But uh, Yeah,
1: it depends on the guy. Um, I've always been into rack stuff rather than heads and pedals. Yeah. So I kind of had a tech thing going on, and actually, George's rig is pretty stripped down. It's not really that... Wild and how can I put it, Star Trekky type of thing where you're walking in and it's just like, oh my god. Right. Um, we keep it relatively simple on the road. I mean, it does have its little intricacies, but um, yeah, it's not crazy. And I mean, I had been doing sound for a long time, so it was a sort of easy transition.
0: Right. So we- I mean,
1: and as a guitar player, you kind of know gear to begin with, hopefully. You, you should know at least some aspects of it. Of yeah, you should. There's You'd be surprised there are guys out there that it's, okay, I can get the guitar in my hands, I got a sound, but other than that, I know how to play. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah,
0: well, I guess. I guess Which, I,
1: hey, there's nothing wrong with that because some of them are amazing guitar players. It's just they don't get into the tech aspect of it. Right.
0: So, so what would you say are are probably the you know most important aspects of what you do for George? So
1: um, you know, just tech. taking just out on the road, taking care of the day to day, because I'm the guitar tech slash tour manager while we're out on the road. Right. So it's just basically, all right, getting the guys. All right, got to be in the lobby because the way we tour is um, we'll fly in. We'll usually do weekends or like a week-long run. We'll fly in, get a vehicle, and we'll drive ourselves from show to show. Right. So it's, oh, okay, guys, let's get in the vehicle, drive to the next city, and set up and go. And a lot of it is a comfort thing with the player. especially as a tech. I mean, you could be the greatest tech in the world, but if you don't get along with the player and he doesn't feel comfortable, you're not going to be working for him for long. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of comfort in it and just making your guy comfortable. That's a big key where they can go up and work their magic on stage And they don't have to sweat that, oh, my God, is this going to be all right? Is this going to be okay? Um, Because there's the way they used to tour is they would just hire a tech in every city. They have the promoter get somebody and he could get lucky and get somebody good or get some kid that barely knows how to tune a guitar. Yeah,
0: that would be difficult.
1: Yeah, and that's rough. And like when I started with him, I would uh work a show a few days later, work a show a couple days later, work another one um while they were touring around New York, and there were some days he got some guys that were uh, knew nothing. I mean, and that's cuz they were young.
0: Yeah.
1: But it was they didn't really have a clue of what was going on and then, all right, he's got to set his own rig up he's got to make sure it's, is this guitar going to be in tune when I pick it up and hit my first chord? Mm-hmm. I mean, cause it's, there's that confidence of I'm going to grab this guitar. I'm going to hit that first open G and that thing is just going to ring out sweet as can be. Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be warbling like a crazy and it's, Oh my God, how am I getting through this song? Right,
0: Like an eight year old on the internet. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's one of those, the guy's gotta be
1: comfortable up on stage, knows if, know if there's an issue, it's gonna get taken care of as fast as possible, and just it doesn't really have to sweat it. I mean, at this point, it's, I usually go down with the drummer early, cause I can do drums, but they're a, drummers are, if it's a quarter of an inch out, he's not really feeling comfortable. So it's easier for my drummer to deal with that. But I go down, set up George's rig so he can walk in and sound check, and he knows. Boom! I can just start playing, and I don't have to deal with anything. Yeah, which is nice.
0: Now you know what? Uh, I, I've never been uh, good at let's say um, taking a pedal apart and modifying it and rebuilding it, and you know stuff like that. You know, is that is that something that's important in in what you do? You know. Um, that it's you-
1: nice to know how to fix it if something goes wrong. Yeah. And we usually have a uh, couple different options with some backups. We'll bring an extra overdrive or two with us just in case because sometimes it's, hey, I can fix it tonight after we go back to the hotel room or when I get a break. But it's, all right, right now we need something. Um, the modify, I don't know more yet, yeah, which is cool to know. Um, more of how to fix things on the fly. Yeah, and i i can't say um a strong suit on okay i'm gonna rip this pedal apart rebuild it and all that type of thing um a lot of times on that it's you have people around the country that it's hey, hey dude i got an issue um guitars i'm pretty good at because i started off even off the first guitar of tearing them apart putting them back together doing stuff to them because you know what was going on in the early 80s, guys were taking guitars and modifying the hell out of them. Right. So you learn how to do stuff off of that. You you get your first couple of guitars that play like telephone wires, and you, you do tweaks, and oh, it plays good now.
0: Yeah. So So would you say that, you know, when you look at, you know, from the outside... It's a it's a completely different appearance, you know. I've I've been around the industry a little bit myself, and and I know that the appearance from the outside, you know, when you're you know looking in, is completely different than the way that it really is on the inside. Oh yeah. And when you look at guys like from the outside, you look at guys like let's say George Lynch or Petrucci or Andy Timmons or you know Steve I and Satriani and you know all them really really great players. Would you say that these guys are in the category of they're really you know technical guys in the sense that you know could their rigs being really sophisticated and stuff like that or or are the majority of them really just great players and they have good people like you behind them to help them you know dial all that stuff in
1: Oh all those guys are fantastic players yeah. I mean it's you can get a guy's rig plug into it. It's going to sound good, but it's not like when they get it in their hands. And vice versa, where they can plug into a cheap amp and and still sound fantastic. It still sounds like them. There is a lot of it that comes from the heart, the head, and the hands with guys. I mean, I know it firsthand from George where I plug into his rig. it sounds good. Uh, guys will be like uh, sound engineers at the different venue. Wow, that sounds great! And I'm just like, wait five minutes until he gets it in his hands. <laughs> so there is with the big guys. There is definitely they are a step above. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, it's some guys have Star Trek rigs, and some guys it's an amp, a cab, and some pedals.
0: Now the ones that have the Star Trek rigs. OK, do they really understand those rigs? Did they build those rigs or did they really have, you know, do you think the majority of them? Um, really help it them?
1: varies. Yeah, it varies. I mean, some guys are into the technical aspects of it. And some guys are just, man, get it going and make it sound good. And I will just rip off of it. Um, And a lot of the guys, it's they have people that will physically build and put together the racks. It's here. This is what I want, and boom, 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 put this in it, and dudes will put it together. Like with us, we have uh, Dave Friedman out at Tone Merchants. Mm-hmm. He usually puts together a lot of, like, the pedal boards that we take out, or we have a little baby rack with a couple of delays in it, and he put that together. Um, just because it's easier. These guys are used to doing that all the time. They wire it up. looks all pretty and everything. Um because that's one of the things, like, with George and I, I'm across the country from him.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's not like, unless I'm out there and we have some L.A. shows, it's not like, oh, okay, here, yeah, I'll put that together for you or whatever. I mean, when I'm out there, usually we will get a couple days to do things. Um, but, yeah, usually it's, you'll get somebody else to do it. Like, back in the day, it was Bob Bradshaw and a bunch of the other guys putting rigs together, and that's still what happens usually.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, a lot of the dudes, like the Petru- Petrucci's and the Vi's, it's, I'm sure they know the ins and outs of every little thing that their units do. Yeah.
0: They come across that way, a lot of those guys do. But, like, once yeah. again, you know, when you look from the outside, you know, you think of these guys, you see their rigs and stuff like that, and you go, oh, man, these guys, you know, they most of them. And they know
1: they know. Well, George, he knows what he wants. Yeah. He's got a tone he hears in his head. He, know, he knows how to get it, what pedals he's going to mess with and everything. And, um, yeah, they know what they want and how to get it usually. Yeah. No. And, and most of the thing with them, too, is, especially with the big guys, is they're never satisfied with their tone. It's always a tone chase. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all uh, with George. It's oh, I'm getting a new head. Uh, I'm trying this. We uh, the rig for the longest time varied, and it still does to a little extent right now, where it's different heads. Um, we've added a couple of pedals, um, for different things. Right now, we're running a totally clean channel because with us, we were doing uh, before the coronavirus stuff hit. We were doing the whole Wicked Sensation album. If we had time that night, sometimes we were just doing parts of it. So there's a lot of clean in that. So it was okay. We're changing the rig up a little bit. Yeah. And it's uh, especially with him, it's uh, how he's feeling at the moment. Um, we actually started running the clean channel for a lot of the dirty parts too, adding it in. Mm-hmm. So it's the whole rig going. And it's cool because it has a certain cleanness where it gets a little more definition in there, and it sounds really good. Yeah. And some nights we'll do it, some nights we won't. It's some songs we'll go back and forth. I mean, we take two heads out in the road with us. One is a backup, and there's times during the night to halfway through the show. It's hey, let's play to this one for a little while, and <laughs> eh, let's use it back to the other one.
0: Yeah. That's cool, though. That's cool, though. Uh-huh. I, I, I it's love a
1: that. lot of on-the-fly, especially with him. We don't really have it. It's not like the big-time arena shows where it's choreographed mm. to an extent where it's, all right, here's the set list every night. It's always the same. It's always the same guitar for the same songs. Um, This sound for this, this, and this. And it's, with us, it's a lot of on the fly of, oh, let's switch guitars. Oh, let's not switch guitars. It, we just don't know sometimes.
0: Yeah, that's nice, though. Yeah. You know, it's nice. It it makes it, I don't know, it makes it more raw and real.
1: Oh, yeah. And especially with the his style of playing, we could go do three shows and solos are hair different every night. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a jam section in there for the band. Um, during wicked sensation and that gets a little bit different every night um which is great because it's not uh okay at this point in the song at 47 minutes in the guy's going to be standing right here i mean not that there's anything wrong and i fully understand that type of thing because the huge arena shows it has to be like that yeah They're so big, and it's, okay, this light guy has got this light cue where you're going to be standing right here, right now.
0: Being on the fly like that is is really good for the audience, too, because Uh I think it's one of the things that keeps people coming back.
1: Oh, yeah, because, I mean, with us, if we're in an area, um, like if we're up in the Northeast where there's a bunch of places closer to each other, we'll get people coming to two, three shows on a run. Yeah. They'll come see us the whole weekend, and it's cool. They get a little bit different show, Um, depending on if we're opening for somebody and we get a little shorter set time, might be cut down. Sometimes if it's our show, the guys will just, here, let's play this and stuff will just, you don't know where the show will go. It's not like, okay, this is the set list, so we're exactly following the set list. Um, A lot of times Hendrix will get thrown in there. Um, I know for a minute we were messing around with, they were throwing some Zeppelin in there. They're doing Immigrant Song. Uh Um, Just, it's how you're feeling on the night. And a lot of times, especially if we're in the clubs, we can do basically whatever Yeah. it's hey let's just jam this out for a while and uh, bar owner doesn't care Uh, the fans obviously don't care because oh they get to watch george go off on some stuff that just don't know where it's gonna go right i mean one of the favorite things he does is uh we do clinics for esp guitars Mm-hmm. um all over the country depending on our schedule and it used to be a here here's an ipod and here's some tracks on it without guitar and he would just shred along for a while but now what we do is i get them to try and get me a fusion based drummer not rock guys so it's a standard okay four four type of thing it's and what they do is they start on a note and an hour later they end up on another note and where it's going in between nobody knows yeah and my god they've been some great jams
0: i bet now do you guys do you guys record those
1: um actually with us we're really lucky we don't have to um there are, nowadays with the cell phones and <laughs> there's probably it shows there's probably eight ten videos going at a time yeah. Uh same thing with the clinics. So it's it, that's one of the nice things about nowadays with the technology. It's I can go back to the hotel after the show and watch the show. Yeah. Great. That's I great. I mean, and it, it doesn't matter the size of the show, somebody will be there, especially he's got uh how do I put it? more of a cult following mm-hmm. where it's some diehards. And they got, I'll look up and there's, like I said, eight, 10 phones up recording stuff. And it's great because it's, we don't have to worry about, oh man, that moment was awesome. Did we get it? It's yeah. Let me just pull it up on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, with Facebook, it's okay. There's lynch mob groups and George groups and it's up there. Like I said, by the time I get back from the hotel, yeah, that's awesome.
0: I actually got to meet George in 2010 at the NAMM show.
1: Oh, nice. I have not been out there yet. I am trying.
0: Yeah. I, I, when I used to play, I, I was on a label, and I did blues stuff, blues rock stuff. And, oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, uh, the company that made my guitars and the amp company and that, they had me out. But it was one of the, the highlights of, because of, I was always a Donkin' fan. You
1: know? Oh, yeah. yeah, believe me. Um, yeah. From once Breaking the Chains came out, it was, uh, wow, okay, who is this guy, and damn, he is good.
0: Yeah, yeah, George is a great, great player. You know, really, really great player. So let me ask you this, how does that help you, you know, in your playing, you know, hanging around a guy like that night after night, you know, sometimes? Uh, um, it is
1: really weird because – just working the shows i don't really get the opportunity to pay attention yeah. I, mean, I might pick up little things here and there usually more sound check warming up because it's not the stress of the show um because basically once the show starts it's i'm paying attention to everybody up on stage because basically with us it's four guys and me yeah we have, I'm it for up on stage. Um, we travel really light and it's, I'm not really paying attention to his playing. I'm listening. Okay. To the amp guitar sound in tune. Great. Um, I do get to see some stuff. It's funny. Sometimes he will walk over to the tech area and play a solo. And it's like, oh, awesome. <laughs> but it's not one of those, like when you're going to see somebody and it's okay, that's how they did it. And you're more paying attention and it's okay. I see where they're going with this solo. Um, with me, it's more of a, okay. Show's rolling. And until last note hits, it's got to be paying attention to everything. Yeah.
0: Well, I know, it's but bad. yeah,
1: it's it, this the just to hear in the, the plane. It definitely is inspirational. Yeah.
0: I know it's got to be a, uh, uh, you know, a pretty all-encompassing, you know, job in order to, you know, you're focusing on his guitar, you're focusing on the stage, plus you're the tour manager. I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a big role to fill, really, you know, there's a lot of hats you're wearing there.
1: Yeah, at times, um, and like I said, especially with us because we travel small, it's one of those, okay, I have to take care of all the aspects of it, of, uh, okay, merch and this, and, okay, when's our dinner coming and all that stuff. Um, but it's great. I mean, uh, I love the guys that play with us, and we, we're in a weird, weird situation too where, like George has said, it's kind of a carousel of who is out with us right now. Which is great because, I mean, one of the things is he gets with the band is they're all good people to start with. Um, fantastic players. I mean, right now, the latest incarnation was uh when we were out before this stuff hit was Robbie Crane on bass. And he's played with George before and a bunch of different other bands. Um, Brian Titchy on drums. Who is a fantastic drummer. He's played with all kinds of different people. Um, Oni Logan's back singing with us. And obviously everybody knows the history with that. And George. Yeah. I mean, and then at other times it's, oh, this guy's got to go out on tour with somebody. Well, we get Matt Starr or Jimmy DeAnda or it's just a who's who.
0: Right. That's actually and, and, nice.
1: Yeah. Because it's a little different versions of the band. Right. Um, depending on who's playing with us. Like we did... Uh, back in February, we did the Monsters of Rock Cruise. And we had Michael Devin playing bass from
0: Whitesnake. Ah, cool.
1: And he's fantastic where each person brings their own little thing into it where we were a little funkier right then.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, it just... It has an ebb and a flow. And it keeps it interesting for everybody.
0: I don't know if you're familiar with this concept. I like it a lot. But there's a group in the UK. They're not in the not in the genre that George is in by any means. But the band's called the Rippingtons. And yes, I've heard of them. There's two guys that found the band, but there's like like 20 or 30 people that just interchange into that band. All the yeah, time. that's
1: that's kind of how we were it or are. Um, we before we went out this year, we almost had Tony Franklin for some shows. Oh, that have been cool. Um, it's just like I said, we got it's a kind of a stable of guys that we know. All right, give this guy a call because he already knows the stuff, and boom. Because the weird thing with us is they don't rehearse.
0: Wow, as a full band.
1: It rarely happens because of people being in different places, and obviously now with this, but um, it's sound check is usually the first rehearsal yeah. of the first show. But it's, yeah, you get different musicians in, and it is cool where it keeps it fresh.
0: Yeah. Now, in those cases are most of the guys that are coming in, and, and I know that they already know the stuff in that to some degree, are these, are these guys that are, that are, are learning the music or understanding the music from, from, uh, reading it or is it something that they just, you know, listen to and just play?
1: Well, to listen and some of the guys like Brian and Robbie have been on other albums so they know the stuff and they've been out and toured already. Right. Other guys like Matt, when we got Matt Starr from, uh, Ace Freely with us for a couple months, um. I don't know. I didn't ask him, but I would assume it's a listen to it. Yeah. And, yes, write some charts and stuff for you so you know, okay, here's my little sections that I got to pay attention to during the show. But, yeah, usually it's a listen to it and jam. Yeah. Well, they're all good. And they're all great players. So it's not like you're getting, no offense to them, a local guy and going, here, learn this. And it's okay. We got to do a Rico rehearsals, and like I said, usually our rehearsal is sound check, and it's you want to go over anything? Are you good? Okay, let's play a show. Yeah. And it's cool with us where since they don't really rehearse, first show is good, second show is great. By the third show, it's just they're killing it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so let me ask you this, you know, kind of transition this thing in that, uh-huh. you know, if somebody wanted to do what you do, you know, what would you suggest, you know, that they, that they learn or how they go about, you know, uh, you know, jumping into a possible career tech? And, you know, at one point in time, I thought it'd be really cool to do that, but, you know, and then I started thinking about all the technical aspects and I go, ah, I'm not that guy. So, so what do you think, you know, what kind of advice would you give somebody if they wanted to jump into that, that pool?
1: Uh, um, one thing, obviously, know how to play some guitar. Yeah. Know how to work on them. they like, basically, like, with Strats, it's buy a couple cheapies, tear them apart, put them back together, do stuff to them so you know how to deal with the instrument, Um. Learn the other aspects like signal path and all that, um, and the pedals and the amps. And so you can, I don't want to say service them, but basically keep them running yeah. on the road. Like if you have any issues, um, and, and just probably start local. Yeah. Find some dude that's in a decent band and go, hey, you want to tech? I mean, you're not going to make a lot of money at first. Not that there is a lot of money to be made. I mean, yes, there is money, obviously, right now. There is nothing going on. And it's going to be a different beast when it comes, starts going again. But, yeah, start local. And a lot of times it's catching a break. Yeah. I mean, because one of the nice things about this, it's not a corporate thing. It's, uh, like with me. Okay, I, I did one gig with him and he went, shit, I like you. Oops, sorry. Um, okay. he, he went, yeah, okay, I feel comfortable and let's do more.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of times where I almost had a couple opportunities over the years where it's, hey, you want to come with us? And it's basically, you go right there, then in there. Clothes on your back, your tools, and all right, I'll stop at a Walmart hmm. if you get the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, rather than going, oh, no, I can't. Give me a call in six months. Well, that's, in six months, that opportunity is not going to be there, so you do have to, if you get it, hop on it. Um, and there's some luck involved. Yeah. I mean, you got to know your stuff. Because that's, I mean, that's a given. because it's okay. I'm not going to take you out if you don't know what you're doing, especially at that level. Um, But yeah, it's know the ins and outs of a guitar. That's where it starts, and then get as much knowledge as you can.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And cross your fingers, and hopefully you get a break. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, you know from being in this business, that's a lot of it. I mean, yes, you, you... once you get your foot in the door, you, you kind of have to kick it and go full bore at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, you know with playing, you hooked up with a record company because somebody saw you and went, hey, I like you. Yeah.
0: You know, it, it was weird because from from my standpoint, uh, when I started playing guitar, I had a buddy who was the, who was the drummer for Buddy Guy. And, oh, nice.
1: I've worked with Buddy a couple times.
0: Yeah, and uh, him and I were in a... It was the first band I was ever in. I wasn't very good. But uh, we would uh, go up to, you know, Buddy's Club, and John was uh, also in the house band, you know, er Kevin was in the house band with uh, um, George Baze, Junior Wells guitar player. At, okay. But at, but at Legends. But anyway... Uh, it was, and you say it's, you just by happened to be at the right place at the right time or a coincidence or whatever. It was like a, a year later. Um, the first time I, I really got up on stage and was playing with these guys and buddy miles came in and, uh, and it was really cool. Cause I ended up doing, you know, three months worth the shows with buddy miles. Oh, great. Um, just from being at the right place at the right time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of right place, who you know, you make yep. contacts in the business, yep. you don't act like a jerk, and you just don't know.
0: Right. That's it, that's it. Well, I tell you, you know, I know it's it's got to be really difficult, you know, on, on guys like yourself and musicians and people in the industry right now with everything kind of being at a standstill.
1: Yeah, we were... We got lucky and did three shows the beginning of March. Those were our last three shows and we were we did shows with doc we did a run We're doing uh shows right now with Dawcking. We're doing a co headline tour with them and what's going on is for the encore George goes out and does a couple of songs with them mm-hmm. and uh, my God, they were great shows, yeah. And we were about to go on a run of about 40 or 50 of them over the summer. And yeah, it's just been devastating to the whole industry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, they pretty much got all your shows on hold right now, or do you, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Everything's on hold. We have rescheduled some stuff um, for the fall, but with the way this is, who knows? Yeah. I mean, there's no guarantees that, okay, over summer it's going to stop. We're kind of almost of the, what happens if it comes back in the fall? Yeah. I mean, because it's it's hard. It's a catch-22 because we would love to be doing shows and playing for the people, but it's you put the people at risk. And do you want to put the fans at risk? I mean, we can do certain things at the venue of, we'll just isolate ourselves. We'll come in, we'll play the show, we'll leave. It stinks we don't get to interact with the fans, because that's one of the great parts of going on the road. But it's, okay, we can do those certain things, but then on the reverse, the way we travel with a lot of flights, that's where our risk would come into it. Mm The fans' risk is just coming to the shows. Yeah, and uh, unless you go, okay, I got a venue that does five hundred, and I'm putting a hundred people in here. How do you keep people safe?
0: Yeah, well, and not only that, but how do you make that financially feasible for anybody? Yeah,
1: exactly. For the because that puts the promoters in a spot. Yeah, I true. know a lot of places. It's okay, we're going to start opening, but like I said, if you got a five hundred cap, you can do or 200 there's no way the promoters can make money at that Yep. unless they're charging a hundred dollar ticket and then how can you do that because that's rough on the fans i mean it's just right. really rough time in the business where and to be safe for everybody who knows like with most of the major promoters uh live nation aeg and all that they're looking at not doing shows until next year
0: yeah, I've I've seen some people that have posted their schedule and and nothing starting until 2021. Yeah. So
1: I mean, it's rough just because of the travel. Even if you did by bus and you try and keep your guys self contained, you're just running into people. Yeah, and it's rough because it's we don't want to get sick. We don't want them to get sick. It's just, right now, it's erring on the side of caution. Right. So Rather you, than, uh, believe me, we would love to be playing shows, flying somewhere tomorrow and doing a show on Thursday night. We would like nothing
0: better. Yeah. So do you guys plan on doing any, you know, like, uh, you know, Facebook Live or Instagram Live shows or anything like that? <sighs> I mean, what are, right you guys now, doing, what are you guys doing
1: to survive? You know, um, a lot of studio stuff. We it actually yeah. came for them, and it came at a decent time, where they're in re-recording. Well, not actually re-recording. Um, re-imaging Wicked Sensation. Yeah. Uh, they're doing a 30th anniversary of that. That should. I think it's actually done. I haven't talked to anybody in a little bit because um, of the just being in limbo but they're working on that they're working on a new Lynch Mob album and then George is working on a solo album no. an instrumental thing Um, <clears throat> so they've actually been able to do that and luckily the way things are with technology everybody's pretty much got home studios because out in Cali they're really on lockdown it's yeah. don't go see anybody and that type of stuff um where george being a little bit older it's a worry just Mm -hmm. because we ran into last year he caught double pneumonia oh wow and it put him down for almost two months
0: that's too bad
1: yeah so it's one of those we got to err on the side of caution um yeah i don't i would love to see him be able to do something on facebook live i don't know if it's possible just because everybody being in different locations and just dealing with the technology and latency and it's kind of hard to jam together sometimes unless you were sort of set up for it ahead of time yeah but yeah yeah, believe me i would love to see him okay let's do a show but the problem is with, like, Oni's in Utah and the other guys are spread out in Southern Cal. It makes it a little rough. Yeah.
0: Well, hopefully. I don't know.
1: Maybe we'll do a drive-in show. That would be great.
0: <laughs> I, I've seen I've seen uh, images of that. That's kind of different. I don't know if I'd yeah. be interested in that, though. Yeah, it's
1: kind of it. sterile. Yeah. It's weird, and it's, okay, drive in, drive out, and go home. Um, right now, this industry is trying to do what it can to survive.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, it is one of the hardest hit ones. It's okay. Restaurants are struggling. Um, but at least they can do the takeout thing. Mm -hmm. So, okay, come get it. How do you do that with rock and roll here? Okay. You come to the club. We'll play 20 minutes for you. You leave. We get another 10 people do the same. It's yeah. It's one of those something this industry's
0: never seen. Yeah yeah most of the people that i know in 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 um uh, in the blues world blues rock blues jazz stuff like that they're all either doing you know online shows you know like acoustically like it would just be george uh-huh. by himself kind of thing uh there's, yeah. there's some that have pulled in a lot of guys are starting to do lessons but unfortunately uh-huh. unfortunately I've interviewed some recently you know that you know they're you know, doing interviews at Home Depot and, you know, places to, to go to work because they just, you know, yeah. they, they just can't. you,
1: you got to try and do what you can. I mean, it's it's unprecedented. I mean, even when September 11th happened years ago, it wasn't the unknown of, okay, when's everything going to start again? We pretty much knew, okay, few days, week, things will be... I don't want to say back to normal, but a little more normalcy to it. Right now with this, it's just the unknown of six months, a year. Is everything okay next January? There is no date you can throw on it. Because, yeah. I mean, I saw a thing today where Germany had eased their restrictions, and then their cases tripled. Wow. Yeah, it's one of those... Do you want it to blow up again? I mean, right now it's hopefully sort of slowing down because of all the isolation, but it's just that unknown of, all right, do we let people go back out and then numbers start jumping again? Yeah. And it's tough because, I mean, we were a little worried even before this stuff started, um, of the north we had a lot of northeast dates and in the winter time it's rough because people are sick Mm -hmm. and it's just the normal cold and stuff and it's all right that was already a concern and then this jumped in and it's uh, okay especially with the fact of i mean look the nice thing with the cold and normal flu is usually you catch it oh the next day you're sick you know Mm -hmm. you stay away from people this stuff it's all right, I caught it a week and a half ago, and how many people have I interacted with in a week and a half? Yeah. I mean, out doing shows, I probably see more people than the band does, but it's okay, I could interact with 10, 15, 20 people, and then who do they interact with? And then, oh, I have 500, 1,000 people. I mean, one of the last shows we did, we had 6,000 people there. Yeah. It's... uh, Who's got it and who's walking around?
0: Right. right. I mean, that's the hard. Yeah, I know. It's I know. It's it's a it's a shame in that, You know. I mean, you
1: in in your field with the blues guys and stuff. It's they make their living playing shows. Yep. It's on different place every night, and hopefully, I have as many people in there as possible. And right now, that's just the recipe for a bad situation.
0: Yeah, we even had, you know, several friends that were actually, had just gone to Europe, the the European tours, they had to turn around and fly back. Yeah. You know, and then I had uh, another uh, group of people that I know, they ended up, they're still there. Mm. you know because they couldn't they didn't want to risk coming back so they just started. yeah
1: that's the thing it's do i want to go on the planes the airports all of that stuff yeah. um luckily we just came home we did a uh cruise in february and uh, two weeks later i don't think we would have gone on it yeah i mean we had one of the guys that uh we know Marty. He plays for Lita Ford's band. He's a bass player. They got into him. I talked to him. I think middle of March, end of March, and they literally just got off one. Yeah. And it was like, wow. And he's like, "Yep, I'm going home. I'm isolating and keeping fingers crossed because it, it, it's tough."
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully this will this will pass. You know, soon. and mm-hmm. You know, things can start to get back into. Yeah,
1: it, and it's going to take a minute yeah. for the music industry because of just the yeah. way it is with lots of people. I mean, we were supposed to do, what is it, next week we were supposed to be doing Rocklahoma. Mm. That's what, 50 to 75,000 people? Yeah,
0: that's a huge show,
1: yeah. Yeah, huge. I mean, it really stinks that it's not happening, but it's like, man, it's just a dangerous situation for the people. Yeah. And that's the big concern right now because it's like, man, you don't want the fans to be getting sick and you be the cause of it.
0: Yeah, because there's going to be a lot of people that are probably like me that went out so bad that they're willing, oh, yeah. that they're willing to go stand, you know, elbow to elbow with 50,000 people just to see a yeah. show, you know.
1: Oh, and we would love to be doing it. I mean, it's that was one of the first things when this stuff started. It was like, oh, Rocklahoma's going to go, and and then we do, uh, we do Sturgis. Oh, okay. And uh, that one right now, they don't know what's happening, but the way things is, uh, uh, that one's so massive that I don't know if they're going to do it and do the bands and what's going to go on. Yeah. And that one stinks because we're actually the house band at Full Throttle Saloon. Wow. Jesse James's place.
0: That's a cool place.
1: Yeah, so it is. We did it last year, and oh my God, it was a blast. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. It was insane. I mean, it's just the bands that come out there and all of that. I, I don't know how that's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, as I said, John, you know, hopefully this will turn around soon and you guys can yes, get back we're, we're
1: keeping fingers crossed and because believe me we want to be out there playing for the fans i mean there is nothing oh, we love better it makes everything all the long days and the travel and driving three four or five hours between shows it, it's getting up there for the hour and a half or whatever in front of the people yeah and just feeding off of that and like I said, one of the last shows we did, we had 6,000 there. Yeah. It was unreal.
0: Well, the band's great, and George is amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh,
1: you know, so. and Hopefully we'll be out seeing the fans as soon okay. as possible. Yeah. Um, and from there, just, I don't know, keep listening. Have them look on, keep looking on Facebook and Instagram, because I know George posts a bunch of stuff on there. Yeah. some little bits of him playing and everything and uh yeah. just keep playing at home
0: i guess <laughs> yeah this is a, a time for you to improve your yes playing. yes
1: it's a, it's a time for everybody to practice right now you're, and
0: now you're checking for for yourself
1: yes pretty much yeah <laughs> i've been doing that um i was home and it was once a weekend it was oh wrist guitar am i ripping apart and, just cleaning up and all that and yeah it's just plug in and play
0: yeah there you go All right, there you go now you have it John Thayer the guitar tech for George Lynch who just happens to be at home teching for himself right at the moment (laughs) super nice guy oh my god you know what I probably could have talked to John for hours if he would have let me you know I'm sure he had things to do and didn't want to (laughs) That was John Thayer, the guitar tech for George Lynch and the Lynch Mom. Hey, I'm Jimmy Warren. I want to thank you so much for tuning in uh, to uh, to the show and to tuning in to Guitar Talk next week. Wow. Oh, my God. I'm going to say it. Are you sitting down? Next week, I'm going to have Randy Jacobs, the guitarist for the Bone Shakers, on the program. Now, Randy's a bad, bad I mean, he's a bad dude on the guitar. He really is. And his history is huge. But once again, you know, the thing that just grabs me about some of these cats is the fact that they're so nice, so wonderful to talk to. And so you're going to really enjoy this conversation with Randy Jacobs uh, of the Bone Shakers. So tune in next Wednesday after 3 p.m. Central Standard Time across all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor FM, com. I'm Jimmy Warren. I thank you so much for tuning in to Guitar Talk. You have a wonderful week.